Welcome back to the Sexuality and Gender Teaching Series presented by New King Church. Today's episode is a collection of questions and discussion from the in-person teaching session when Pastor Aaron taught these first two parts live. And obviously, there is so much depth to this topic and wisdom to be sought from the Lord. So if you want to ask us a question or dialogue with Pastor Aaron or anyone on our staff about these things, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can find our contact information at newkingchurch.com and just click on our staff pictures to send us an email. But coming soon, we will have part three and four of God's divine narrative of our sexuality and the ensuing discussion time from that in-person session. But for now, here is Pastor Aaron. Who has any questions or thoughts or, um, or anything? Initial thoughts, initial feelings, emotions. What do you think it looks like to live out an embodied? Like, I think a lot of the time in the church, like, we divide, like, the spiritual and the physical, and there's sort of, like, this disembodied spirituality. Right. What do you think it looks like to live, like, a fully embodied sexuality, specifically as a single person? Right. Well, and, and maybe that's also, that might be a new idea to people, too, that uh, this idea that we separate our, first of all, our flesh, our bodies, from a spiritual experience, right? Like, which is actually a... a called the Gnostic heresies. There's, there's some people called the Gnostics who really didn't care about their body and, and thought like, oh, I need to get rid of this thing as quickly as possible. Uh, and so they would have obviously also rejected their sexualities. And so that's definitely a, especially a contemporary, you might call it heresy, uh, in the Christian church where they distinguish uh, their sexuality uh, from their Christianity. So as far as living out a holy sexuality as a single person, um, so yeah, because right now we're talking about specifically the practice of sexuality with sex, right? And so uh, as a single person, um, how do you fit in your singleness with God's plan for sexuality? Well, and here's the problem, right? We're only seeing half the story, right? We're only seeing this first half, which is specifically geared around God's intentions for like our physical sexuality, uh, but as we see, as we go along with the narrative uh, that God is telling, you see that it's not just about our uh, multiplication physically. It's not just about multiplying children and, and people. Um, it's about multiplying the image of God, right? And so when we share our faith with people, that's actually how we participate in God's plan for multiplication. Uh, that's how we we spread the image of Christ, um, and so that's that's actually one thing. Uh, but specifically, probably more to what you're asking, celibacy is specifically um, how a single person, if they're like, if they're thinking, oh, long term celibacy is a holy sexuality option for sure. Um, but as far as if someone's just saying, oh, I'm going to be single for you know the next year, two, three, five, right? They're having a season of singleness, as we call it in our <laughs> Christian lingo. Um, then a season of singleness. So, I, I, I used to use that term all the time, so it's not like it's easy to, to use. Um, but uh, if we're going to a season of singleness, then obviously um, we're looking for ways to honor God with our sexuality, to not fall into sin, um, and to 
to use our time for the purpose of the kingdom of God. And actually, when you look at what Paul says, the Apostle Paul, he actually is one of the, the greatest advocates for singleness and for celibacy. Like he says, hey, uh, if you guys, uh, he's, he's like, I think that uh, you should try to be, it doesn't sound as subjective as I make him out to sound. He's, he's like, basically marriage is not as great as being single because you can be focused in singleness to God's desires, God's intentions, uh, to pleasing God. When you get married, you have to be focused on pleasing your spouse. But when you're single, you can be focused on pleasing the Lord. So he actually says, this is actually a better thing. He, and that's the life that Paul himself chose. That's why he's the greatest advocate of it, because he chose singleness himself. And so he's advocating for it. And, um, so, uh, yes, does that get around to what you were asking, or do you have more specific than you were thinking of? Well, I think, I don't disagree with any of that, but so much of, what that's what we talk about, right? Celibacy, right? So, like, don't have sex, don't date a non-Christian, don't do X, Y, and Z, like, be pure, don't, you know, all this stuff. And it's all about what you don't do and how you don't engage. And it's like, okay, we'll just focus on God. But if you, like, look at the statistics, like, the majority of Christians, and then, like, have premarital sex, like, the majority of Christians, like, all, most Christian men are watching porn, just statistically. Um, and so, obviously, that's not working, right? And so I would say that there's, like, there needs to be an expression of this part that is a key part of our identity. Like, just saying don't express it is kind of the same to me um, in or like, not, we don't know how to express it spiritually, you know, um, if, if that's the, a thing, or if there are other ways to express your sexuality in a way that is through fraternal relationships or something else, right? And so, like, I think is the, like, church, like, American church, whatever, Western church, that's like a really important topic of how Absolutely. we yeah. how we lead single people, and we're still we're not just so many young Christians are like, oh well, I can't have sex, so I'm just going to get married, right? And that's not Paul's vision, as you say, right? But what does that look like? So I think right. it's deeper. It goes beyond just don't do absolutely. Yeah, and, and but I, I would be careful not to confuse the causation of why the majority of men are living sexually impure lives of Christian men. Um, it's not simply because someone's telling them, don't do this, don't do that. Uh, the problem is really that they have a desire to do evil. <laughs> right? As, as we talked about earlier, they have a sinful nature, a corrupted sexuality. Right? Everybody in this room has a corrupted sexuality. We actually desire to do what's wrong and to do what's evil. And So it's not simply someone telling you, don't do this. That's going to cause you to do it, right? So, so, it, and that's actually to tell someone not to do it. That's essentially the part of the story that I'm kind of like glossing over. Actually, is the law, the giving of the law, which it was exactly that: don't do this, don't do that, right? And um, and so now the law it wasn't given to make us righteous, right? And that's kind of what you're getting hitting at too, right? Is is just telling people don't do this, don't do that. Doesn't make people righteous because the problem is still present with us. Our desire to do wrong, our desire to do against what God wants. Like just because we hear, "Oh, I'm not supposed to do that." Okay, now I'm going to do the right thing. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like. Well, you know, honestly, we do say that because we want to do the right thing, but we find that our will is still dead set on doing evil. <laughs> and so, so that that is, and that's typically, you know, I mean, there's a big diversity, obviously, of the people who have these problems that you're talking about uh, because 
obviously there are some people who are like just you know some people are just calling themselves Christians but then there's genuine Christians who are struggling with these things because they still have a sin nature that desires to do evil we also have a sin nature desiring to do evil and so we're going to struggle with these desires um, but we do we're going to get more into the idea of how we can be free from that and that's it's in Christ it's in his Holy Spirit his Holy Spirit uh, helps us enables us to do righteousness but we won't see that perfectly performed until uh, we are resurrected essentially and so we're going to start with it but um, but yeah, I just want to make that clear that, that you know it's not wrong to tell someone don't do this don't do that but that's not going to be the thing that makes them do righteousness right uh, it's, it's, it's a tutor as, as Paul says it's a guide so it's, it's necessary, but it's not the thing that's going to make us righteous. Um, but as far as um, I was going to say something about what you had already said. Um, yeah, as far as what is the what is the positive right command, shall we say? Um, well, you know, I, some of the things that are kind of already under the surface of what we're talking about. Um, I mean, some of the things we've already kind of mentioned that sexuality. Uh, God made us together people. He made us communal people, right? Like, like the thing that we talked about where God saw it was not good for the man to be alone. And so what he does is he brings the woman and so that there can be a sense of togetherness. Um, now, you know, not all the time are you going to experience like this. Togetherness does not equal sex, right? You can have relationship and deep friendship um, apart from sex. And so that's kind of the thing that I would say for people is the thing to pursue is togetherness um, as, as believers. Um, does that make sense? So, so to seek oneness with the church of Christ and with Christ. And oneness, like I said, is the purpose of sexuality. So if we're achieving that purpose, but not sexually, but it's it's still being achieved, that's that's the best thing you can do. It's, it's greater than sexual Actually, sexual oneness points to that oneness, the oneness that we experience in Christ, uh, in community, oneness with Christ. So I think that's probably the biggest thing I would say is community togetherness. And there's probably other things I could say, uh, but I see that trying to raise your hand. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, so you spoke about the three essential elements, uh, one being multiplication. So let's say two individuals are married and they made the conscious choice that they don't want to have kids. Right. Does that mean it's going against God's right. will for us to... Yeah, that's a good question. So I'm just interested to hear how that falls yeah. in. If people are making the conscious choice to yeah. say, yes, we are we are one and we are unified in marriage, but right. we don't want to have a child. That's what you mean. And, and uh, so first start with this, that those three things are not a law to themselves, right? It's not to express, hey, thou shalt, you must multiply, right. you must be one, right? Because you also don't have to get married and experience oneness with someone, right. and still can be fulfilling the purpose of Christ. So, you know, these aren't, the purpose of saying these things of oneness and multiplication isn't to say, everybody has to do this, and if you're not doing it, then you're not fulfilling right. God's purpose for your life. Uh, the purpose is just to show what is what are the essential components of sexuality? Why did God make sexuality? Right? Uh, and they point to greater things. They're just they're really symbols in God's story that he's telling, 
right? That point to greater things. Uh, one is pointing to one of them we have in Christ, as I've already been kind of mentioning, that we're going to talk about next time we get together. And multiplication pointing to the fact that God wants to multiply his image mm -hmm. to fill the earth, and we'll see later, to fill the universe. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's not just about us having babies. That's this kind of like, that's kind of a picture mm -hmm. of, of a greater spiritual reality. So can I answer your question? Let me rephrase. Oh, so okay. is a marriage unwhole if the right. conscious decision is made not no. to have a child? No. No. Okay. No. And cool. I mean, just yeah. I mean, I can say that simply. No, right? Can I prove it? Uh, <laughs> so I, I think it's, I think it's pretty evident um, that it's, it's uh, able to be whole because there have been holy marriages where children was not a possibility, even, right? I mean, for other reasons, I just go to choice, infertility, for example. Right, but if right? fertility is. Right, right. Yeah, you know, not in the, not in the mix. If, that, if infertility is not part of the yeah, it can be the free. I I, I don't yeah. see why okay. not. Is kind of you know point I'm making. Okay. Um, there's not really um, because the point is that it's not a command to do this. You must mm -hmm. do this. Uh, this is just showing what is the purpose of sexuality. What's essential to it. Um, so I think I think that it is. Um, I think that it's great to pursue that multiplication. Mm -hmm. So I also want to like make that clear too, that like I think that um, you could make that choice for reasons. There's no law saying you can't. So I'm not going to sit here telling you you can't. Mm -hmm. But I also do see the value in how sexuality expresses itself in multiplication. And so if someone asks me, like, if they're thinking about that, like, hey, we're thinking about like not having any kids, I would encourage them to have kids if they can. Uh, because I think that it's a good, it's clearly what God intended. It's a good thing. If you have a good reason for it, I'm not, I can't tell you. I literally cannot tell you you can't. Because there's nothing in scripture until, that, that says you can't. <laughs> you can't not have kids. Mm -hmm. You can. Wait, am I, that's a double negative. You should <laughs> not. It. Yeah, you should know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> Anyways, so, yeah, so, so that's one thing in this too, is that we don't want to go beyond what scripture says, mm -hmm. right? We don't want to make a, a new law and put people under this new law. Like, so the point of this is not to make a new law, yeah, but to expand sexuality. Did I answer your question? Yeah? Okay. Yeah, thanks. Anybody else? Yes. So is sexual desire evil? Is sexual desire evil? No, I thought I made that clear. <laughs> sexual desire is great. It's what God intended, but it has become corrupted. And so, um, so the problem is, and, and, and not only that, but what's being introduced to, uh, introduced to our sexual desire is shame. So sometimes you can be experiencing a good sexual desire and feel a false sense of shame. And that's because we have grown a sense of shame over our sexuality. I mean, like, for example, Adam and Eve being naked next to each other. Was that wrong? Was it wrong for them to be naked? No, God made them naked with each other. And he's like, it's good. And then, then it became wrong after they ate of the fruit of the, what is it? What is the fruit called? The tree of the, anybody know? Knowledge of good and evil, right? So, so suddenly they had a new, they, their conscience was awakened. So, and and it, wasn't a, it wasn't a right conscience. They, they weren't perfect like God. So, so this idea of knowledge of good and evil, God had it, right? He had the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, he said it himself. In a couple of passages there, um, and he said that they became like us, right? Um, but his knowledge of good and evil was perfect, 
So he didn't have a time where he was like, oh, am I doing the right thing? You know, there wasn't like a sense of shame for God, right? He, he was perfect in his knowledge of what good and evil is. But we just had our conscience awakened, and we had no idea. Oh my gosh, there's shame suddenly. I'm, I'm naked. What am I doing here naked? You know? <laughs> I don't ever think step into the room. But um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, so, so sexual desire is good, but um, has been corrupted, and our will seeks wrong things. It seeks wrong things very often. It, it, it seeks wrong objects. Um, and God's made it clear that those ob- the, the true object of sexual desire is very limited to uh, within marriage. Um, so, to answer your question, maybe excessively so. Um, I saw you raise your hand. Yes. No, you. you. Okay. Sorry, I'm a little cross-eyed. I look no, like that's there. okay. <laughs> yeah. So, with um, basically with, regarding like homosexuality, um, there is the thought that you know you are born that way, right. Right. and you know under the same thought of you know God created you in the image in His image and. Um, you know, he knew the hairs on your head, you know, uh, right. or he knows the hairs on your head. And, you know, there's completeness there, right? Because we are in his image. Um, you know, so in regards to that and kind of like the three essential elements that you have, you know, do you believe that, you know, there is, do you, well, one, do you, do you not believe that people are born that way? Um, and two... Um, regarding, you know, oneness, multiplication, and innocence, um, you know, some of those things can be fulfilled, I mean, based on what you're saying, through, like, a homosexual relationship, for instance, you know, oneness, you know, make two into one, you know, that can, you know, be formed in marriage, and then multiplication, you know, you did make a point that multiplication can be just in the, um, you know, being an evangelist and really spreading the word of God um, and multiplying his name. And then, you know, innocence, well, you know, regarding innocence, you said that innocence is the, um, you know, making sure that when you are in that consensual, um, you know, um, marriage, that there there is that line of innocence. So kind of, if you could just like explain it's a good question. I know it's not can, law here, but... It, no, it's a good question. Can homosexuality fit in God's... Um, uh, what he's trying to achieve through right. sexuality? Uh, and then the first question, uh, can we be born homosexual uh, gay tendencies? Uh, so I think that, uh, yes, you can be born that way. There's nothing that i said that I would say is any reason to make me think you can't be. Right. But you can be born a lot of things that aren't right. That's right. the thing. Um, I think that's, that gets at what I'm talking about, is that we have been corrupted. Like, we have been born with wrong wills, wrong desires. And so, uh, not just homosexuality, but you can, you can think of any other desire that we, that inclination that is core to us, that is wrong, right? Um, that we were born with. And we, so, so it kind of removes the freedom of the will, Right? Like, we don't really have a free will in this. It's not like, 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 I guess kind of the assumption here is, does God make people perfect? Does, do they get born perfect and right? And they get corrupted as they go along? No, no. People are born corrupted. I mean, they, they partake of the fruit, they rebel against God, and our whole race, the human race, 
is corrupted by sin. And so you don't just pick up bad habits. You, you, you have a bad will, right. just a messed up will. And so, um, so I think you can be born, but does that uh, that way, but can, does that excuse us uh, from saying that this is wrong, right? If God has said it's wrong, it's wrong. Um, now, you know, then there's a whole question of, well, how do you deal with that as someone who's born with those desires and yet you want to honor God? Yeah, you can still honor God and have those desires. They're part of you. You may never get rid of them, and yet you can follow God um, and follow Christ. But can you fulfill, then, then the question, the second part of your question, can you fulfill God's intentions for sexuality uh, with a homosexual marriage? And um, the fact is that you can't. Um, and, and it does, you can like take, you know, the things I said, right? You can take those things and say like, well, it could fit like this, it could fit like this. And uh, you can do that, but it doesn't make it right, right? Like the whole premise of it is just wrong. Uh, I mean, even just in that passage I shared, it, it's, it says specifically um, in Romans 1, it says in six, there's six passages that uh, say homosexuality is sin um, and, in the whole Bible. Only six passages. So it's not like a huge thing that God's like hammering on. Like, <laughs> you know, like homosexuality is evil, don't do that. Um, but the fact is that it, it's in there at all, right? Um, and, and he doesn't, so the fact is that he doesn't allow it for his good plan that he has. Um, and in that specific passage, Romans 1, it's clear that he's saying it's unnatural. That um, th this idea that, uh, that a man and a man and a woman and a woman could be one is actually not true uh, because they're not practicing sex in the way that God originated their bodies. Like, it's kind of what I was saying earlier, that sexuality can't be disintegrated from our bodies, right? Uh, my body is made male. I'm only going to complement the body of a woman, right? Uh, my body does not complement a man's body. We were not made to fit together. We don't fit. Um, and a woman and a woman don't fit. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm saying like some pretty, you know, things that uh, our society would, you know, despise, right? But I'm just saying like, you know, I, I'm just see, calling it as what I see is natural, what God says is natural. Um, and, and that's, according to the scripture, not natural. Um, and I think it's evident just in that natural revelation of how our bodies are constructed. Um, so, yeah, so that's, does that, do I answer your question? I don't know. Do you have any thoughts, counterpoints? Um, well, hmm, let's see. I did like um, the scripture. I was trying to write down the scripture that you said in the beginning with like man and man and woman and woman. Was that Romans 1 that you were referencing? Romans 1, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah, that's um, so Romans 1, really 18 through 32 is the whole passage there, but um, specifically 26 and 27. Uh, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Um, so that's, to me, that's like the clearest passage in the Bible about homosexuality that is a sin. Because, you know, if you've been around these conversations long enough, uh, people will often say, uh, well, the Bible isn't condemning homosexuality per se. It's condemning, like, um, basically 
homosexual relationships that were, there was a party who was not um, consenting. Uh, consenting, yes, like, like temple prostitutes, homosexual temple prostitutes, uh, pedophilia, and um, so people will, will use that argument, but it just doesn't fit with this passage, it doesn't fit with a, a couple others, but I think especially this passage, um, where it's saying it's contrary to nature. Um, so that's, that's my take. <laughs> so, but, uh, anyway. Any other questions? So, now this is, um, and, and you know, making another point on homosexuality is um, there's a lot of things that aren't natural, you know, for us to do. Uh, you know, one of our main things that we talk about today around sexuality is homosexuality, right? And, um, but the thing is that just as God does not, he hates homosexuality, he also hates straight sin, right? Um, and, uh, he, he, but the thing is that he gives us, even though we all have these tendencies towards sin, our own kinds of sin, we all have our different kinds of sin, our own different uh, sexual sin. Some of us, you know, some people I know, I've met some people who like, it seems like they don't struggle with any sexual sin, like one person I met one time. <laughs> and I'm like, well, how is that even, why don't you just pursue celibacy, I guess. Uh, but um, everybody I, I've ever met, besides that one person, uh, has struggled with a form of sexual sin. And what God is calling us to is to redeem our sexualities um, and to be loved. He, he will accept and embrace us regardless of our sin, what kind of sin it is. Because we're talking about different kinds of sin, but he's going to accept us and embrace us regardless of what kind of sin it is. If only we believe in him and repent of our sin. So we, we simply believe in Christ, repent of our sin. Uh, but we have to acknowledge that it's sin. Otherwise, how can we repent? So, um, can you... I was just going to say that I think, like, you're saying similar things, but I think one point of confusion or difference in that is the way that we define natural. Like, what natural relations are. And I think in this, in the moment that we live in, in this culture, natural is how you feel and how you right. are and the like right. direct expression of that. Right. That's a good point. And so it it is natural in that right. sense to express yeah. homosexual desires towards somebody. Yeah. But I don't think that's what that's not what Paul's talking about. Right. And right. Right. so yeah. That's a good point, because that that is our cultural idea of what uh, is natural. Totally is what is it that you feel, right? What is it that you're um, that you're feeling, and that then do that, and that's natural to and true and authentic to what is inside. Um, but that's clearly not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about natural relations, the way you would see it biologically, uh, bodily. Um, anybody else? Of the truth and the God, God's image of what we have been made 
to be. And in the New Testament, flesh then becomes something that like we are battling against. And um, I guess I just wonder like where if, if that term is like the same, or if it like if flesh because flesh in the New Testament doesn't mean your physical body, you know. So um, yeah. No, that's a good question. Yeah, um, yeah. Our flesh really it uh, is not evil in of itself, but it becomes a symbol. And the, and the word flesh used the way you, you just used it as a desire to do evil. Uh, the flesh becomes a symbol. The physical flesh becomes a symbol of that idea of uh, this desire to do what is wrong, to do what is evil, uh, to pursue um, what is. You know, see, even words like carnal, right? It's, it's interesting because the word carnal can have so many bad connotations, but then they also can have a good connotation because we talk about the incarnation of Christ, where he becomes physical. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know how to explain it, but I mean, basically, it's, it's just, I think we already kind of just said it, but it's, um, it, yeah, it's just a symbol of that. But by, but I think that some people have confused that and said, oh, it's not just that it's a symbol, but it actually is evil. And, um, and that's where we get Gnostic heresies. And then that's where we get people saying, oh, um, Christ didn't actually bodily resurrect, right? And Christ didn't actually come as a physical person, because why would he? The flesh is evil, right? Um, and so you, you get all, and we're not going to be resurrected with a body. We're going to be resurrected with a spirit, right? That those are completely wrong. Wait, what? Yeah, what? those are heresies. I'm listening. Um, oh. I don't believe them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so those are heresies. That people, yeah, yeah. When, when, no, it's, it's heresy. It's good that you went, huh? <laughs> so, um, because yeah, that, that would be to to say that the flesh, our physicalness, is evil in of itself, uh, and we have to transcend it. Uh, but this is not what you see in scripture. It's like, time and time again, it's shown that we're going to have a resurrected body. Jesus himself, nails, he had scars, right? So he had the same physical body um, that he had when he died. And so we also are going to. So it's, it's, just, it's about redeeming our bodies, which have been corrupted by sin. That's the thing. Our bodies, which I don't think are too, disti- uh, I don't think we should distinguish too much from our souls, are corrupted by sin. Just, uh, you know, even we're talking about how you can have wrong desires. Well, that's, that's the wrong, the wrong desire comes from our soul, our body, right? Um, so, anyways, so that's why our mind, our physical minds are pretty messed up. <laughs> so, they're pretty messed up. Um, anyway, any other questions?